Good afternoon, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. We are coming in to you live from the state of Indiana in the Midwest of the United States of America. Today we are going to be talking about a very crucial topic, a subject that is very important to most of us. I'm sure some of us have been in one way or the other been affected by breast cancer. Either we know someone who's been going through this terrible situation or ourselves have been through some of this, I mean, this situation. So today we'll be joined by two Zambian ladies who've gone through the process. And it's unfortunate going through this terrible disease. But ladies and gentlemen, you'll soon be hearing from our very own Zambians who will explain to us their journey on this HIV uh, and this cancer, usually. See, I work on HIV, so most of the time I'm always talking about HIV. So bear with me. If I throw in HIV instead of mentioning cancer, so good afternoon. Is this Miss Irene White, nine five four three five two zero? Yes, this is Doreen Grant on that number. Oh, Doreen Grant. Sorry, sorry. See the names Irene, Doreen. Uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> close to each other. Yeah. So welcome, welcome, Doreen, to the show. Thank you so much. Good, good, good. Yeah. So. I'm just waiting for my colleague uh, Irene White to join the show. She should be joining us momentarily, but while we wait for Doreen to join us, we'll just go a little bit, give a little stat on breast cancer. So for those who are joining us for the first time, Zambia Block Talk Radio airs every Saturday from 10 to 1 p.m. And on Sunday, we have our segment, which is called Zanus Radio Show. So this is a segment put together by the Zambian Association Leadership. So our primary focus for our Sunday show is to look at challenges and issues that affect the Zambian community in the diaspora, especially in the United States. So last week we were discussing HIV and AIDS. So this week we are discussing uh, breast cancer. And we're very fortunate to be joined by two ladies. These are our very own Zambian ladies who will explain to us the journey process and all that when they were diagnosed, when it was, at what age, and the, the whole process. So we'll be hearing from Doreen Grant and uh, Irene White. So... Uh, Mrs. Grant, are you? How how's the weather that side? Are you um, on the road? It's been the, <laughs> it's been a little rainy. Um, mm-hmm. on this side, but um, it's it's pretty warm. Oh, good, good. Yeah, Indianapolis weather for some reason we thought would be buried under ten feet of snow, but fortunately enough, it's actually I think above forty. So it's a little bit warm. It's unusual for this time of the year. 
So we are wow. we are certainly happy. We are certainly glad that at least it's nice and warm. Yeah. That's wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah, at least we are we are counting our blessings. <laughs> yeah. So breast cancer is something that affects uh, predominantly our African American people or black people in the United States. Uh, one in eight uh, black people, African Americans, are at a higher risk of, of acquiring or suffering from breast cancer. Breast cancer has the highest mortality rate of any cancer in women between the ages of 20 to 59. And African American women have a 31% breast cancer mortality rate the highest rate of any U.S. racial or ethnic group. And when you look at among women younger than 45, breast cancer incidence is higher among African-American women or black women. So these statistics, I mean, when you just listen to the statistics and you read about the statistics, you wonder like, hey, what is going on? Especially when you look at uh, our Zambian people in those days who would worry so much about infectious disease, but now we are worrying about this uh, So, Miss Dorian White, so can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, just the state where you are, so at least people may know a little bit before we, we jump into the, the, the interview. Could you excuse me just one second, please? For oh, sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Zanus Radio Show. Zanus Radio Show comes every Sunday at 2 p.m. If you wish to participate in our show, press 1 on your keyboard, then I'll be notified that you want to say something. So if you have to say something, make sure you press 1. And then I'll know, and then I'll, I'll, I'll unmute your mic. So today we are talking to two Zambian ladies. These are breast cancer survivors. So they will be sharing with us their journey and the whole uh, process, what they went through. So to, uh, we'll start with Doreen Grant. So anytime you are ready, Doreen, uh, give me a, a, a hint, then we'll, we'll go ahead and proceed. Yes, I'm ready. All right, so just tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, and the state you are calling us from. Yes, my full names are Doreen Mwenya Grant, and I am a 13, almost 14-year breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2006 with stage 2 breast cancer, which was stage 2A early breast cancer. Um, and I went through all the treatments, uh, all four treatments um, that are um, the general treatments uh, for breast cancer. Um, I have four children, wife, mother of four, and, and I work full time. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, so you said you were diagnosed at stage two cancer. So for those yes. who may not know much about cancer, can you just break it down for us? How many stages are out? I mean, are there? Um, from the, I, I always put a disclaimer before I answer a question that is medical. I am not in the medical field, but I will be answering from personal knowledge. 
Um, there oh, yeah. are four stages. <laughs> there are four stages um, of breast cancer, and um, the staging refers to the extent of the disease and the size of the tumor. So when they say a person has been diagnosed at stage zero, they're saying that cancer is non-invasive. It's just a small tumor in the breast that hasn't gone anywhere, meaning it hasn't invaded any tissue in the body. It's stationary. And then there's stage one, which is early stage um, cancer. Usually they say it's a two centimeter by diameter um, and it hasn't spread either. It's just a bigger tumor than the stage zero tumor. Stage 1A is uh, 2 centimeters, but stage 1A, they say it can be invasive and non-invasive. So the non-invasive may be that the tumor is larger than stage 2. Um, I mean, it may be larger than 2 centimeters because tumors can go in the early stage from 2 centimeters to 5 centimeters. So that would be considered a stage 2 tumor. If it's invasive, meaning it has started spreading to the lymphatic system, which are the lymph nodes under the, the, the armpits, that is a stage 2, 2A invasive. Stage 3 means that cancer has started spreading, um, and they also classify it in three different ways. People can read about this when they Google it um, to get more details, but uh, stage 3 means that the cancer has started spreading um, more, the size of the tumor may be much bigger, and uh, it may be it has spread to the lymph nodes as well as the ch- chest wall, meaning we have tissue behind our breast, and if cancer spreads to the tissue behind our breast um, in the chest wall, they regard that as stage three. Stage four is metastatic breast cancer, and metastatic breast cancer means that. Um, the, the cancer has now invaded your vital organs and uh, has spread to parts of your body like the bones, your, your brain, your liver, your kidneys, you know, vital organs. And that's the, the, the most difficult part. Um, that, that's the most difficult stage to treat. So those are the stages of, of breast cancer. Oh, th- thank you. Actually, you answered very well, very well. I'm sure our listeners are learning. So... Yeah, so the next question I have for you, how did you feel when you, were first re- when you first received the news that you had cancer? How, um, how, personally, how, I, how, just break it down for us. <laughs> the feeling is, um, is shock. I was shocked. I was numb. I felt like they were talking about someone else. I'm actually looking around. Uh, is this woman talking to me? <laughs> It's it's mm-hmm. very shocking news. I mean, no woman should 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 have to hear those words. You have cancer. Um, but my, my th- those those were my first initial feelings. My second initial feelings were it was sinking in, but I still felt like I had to get up and go look for someone. I I, I had this overwhelming feeling to go and tell my mom that something had terribly um, something had gone ter- terribly wrong, and I'm looking around. Uh, in the hallway to find my mom. I'm feeling like a little girl, and I'm, I'm seeing myself running towards where my mom is. And then another thing hits me and says, Doreen, your mother died two years ago. You don't have a mother to go to, so stand on your feet. Mm. So the feeling, again, like I say, is a feeling of shock. It's like, you know, a ton of bricks is falling over your head, and, and you just don't know what happened. 
Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, it must have been something else. So is mm-hmm. there a, a, a family history of breast cancer? Do you have that in your family? Unfortunately, I've, I've uh, searched and searched, and I've been unable to pinpoint if there was breast cancer in my family. I can't say for sure that it wasn't there because, as you know, for some of us who've grown up in Africa, there's very little um, uh, history keep, keeping. I mean, our, our parents did talk to us about what happened in the family, but we, there was really no one who kept track of medical history. So yeah, that, that being said, there was also very little knowledge about breast cancer and cancer itself. And, and what I mean by that is if there was someone in the family that did have breast cancer, they would have not known that it's, it's breast cancer. So I, 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 with that, I would say I wouldn't know for sure if there was a history of breast cancer in my family. Yeah, okay, I right, know. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, mostly these conditions, when you go to the hospital, the first thing they will ask is, "Do you have a family history?" But of course, the the background that we have in Zambia, of course, where I think medical care, uh, I think mm-hmm. that it's not that tracked like the way it's it's tracked in here. Because you have these medical records that go back into your grandparents and their grandparents. Yes. But I think in Zambia, it's just uh, no. I think that's one area I think as a nation, as a country, Zambia has to sort of track so at least it it will be able to help out. So mm-hmm. you are listening And the other to, thing I'll quickly Zambia. say about that, not to interrupt you, is because our parents no, sure. also were very sick. <laughs> our families were very secretive when there was someone in, in sick in the family. So if they had a disease that they didn't understand, say the breast was being eaten away or they had a foul smell or something was going on, that they they kept things under wraps. So meaning um, our black people, African people, we never really liked to talk about something that's going on. We we felt like it was a family thing. We, we can't tell other people about it. Then that could be another reason why a lot of women die without people knowing what's going on. Yeah, very true, very true. I think our culture plays so much into mm-hmm. uh, being open or talking about some of these conditions because I think uh, even in HIV and AIDS, uh, most people, when they have the condition, they always want to keep quiet and they don't want and people to know. So I think stigma mm-hmm. is, is hating us. It's hating us. It's a big problem. Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. we need to see, I think, as uh, uh, leaders in our community to see how we can help our community. So did you have a, a support network? If not, how did you overcome it or find it uh, to just move on from day to day? What support mm-hmm. network did you have? That's a really great question. Living abroad, and when we come out here in, in, uh, in the diaspora, we don't really have family here. It may be your immediate family, and sometimes it's only friends. I had two sisters here when I was diagnosed. Uh, one lives in another state and one lives here. And then I had my, um, my immediate family, which is my husband. My children were very young. Um, outside of that, I, I wouldn't say I had a support network. I had a support system, which was my immediate family. 
Now, the hospital that I went to for treatment had set up a network um, of survivors, but also made sure that each patient that received treatment in that hospital had a nurse that navigated them through the process. So what I had was a nurse navigator that helped me to find resources, that helped me to connect with other survivors, uh, and that followed my family. She, she really supported me. Like, she called me all the time. She made sure I was okay, had everything I needed, um, talked to my family, my husband, my children, invited me to events. And that, to me, was, for me, was bigger support than any other support I, I could even talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know it's true for most of us, actually, being away from Zambia, being in this country, far away from our immediate uh, biological family, yeah, having a support network is something that I think, uh, despite, I mean, whichever condition one may have, uh, we count it a blessing at least having just uh, a few people who can check up on you. But, uh, of course, I know there are some people out there who have all kinds of conditions, but they don't have that support network. Yeah, because uh, support network plays, plays a very, very huge role. So for those who are just joining us now, you're listening to Zanus Radio Show. This is a radio segment that focuses on issues that affect the Zambian community in the diaspora, especially in the United States. So this afternoon we are joined by Doreen Grant. She's a breast cancer survivor. She's based in Miami, Florida. So if uh, somebody has a question, feel free to press 1 on your, on your phone. Then we'll be able to, to uh, open your mic. And for those who are listening online, you can text your question and we'll be able to read them uh, online, uh, and I'm sure we, we can address it to uh, Doreen Grant, so she'll be able to respond in real time. So, so Doreen, tell me about your treatment process. Can you just try to walk me through the process from the time that you were diagnosed? How was that mm -hmm. like? Um, from the time I was diagnosed, um, because my cancer was early stage cancer, um, we had a meeting with my doctor, my husband, um, and my nurses, my, the group of nurses that were going to uh, be in the group of, of um, medical staff that would be following me from beginning to the end. Um, so they did a plan. They did a plan for me uh, on how they were going to go about treating my type of cancer and um, the stage that um, I was diagnosed at. Um, with that plan, my doctor decided they were going to do a lumpectomy instead of a mastectomy. The difference between the two is a lumpectomy is, um, is, is a surgical procedure that they only go into the breast and remove um, the affected area, which is they remove the malignancy itself uh, uh, with a little bit of healthy tissue around it to preserve the breast. In, in, a, in, a, in case of a mastectomy, they would have had to remove the entire breast or they would have had to make an incision in the breast and remove all the tissue that was affected in the breast. That wasn't the case with me. I had a lumpectomy. So after I healed from the lumpectomy, it took a few, I would say about a month for the, for the wound to heal. I was put on chemo for four months. So I received very aggressive chemo because of my age. I was diagnosed in my 30s. 
So I was put on very aggressive chemo, um, and I did that for three months. And after the chemotherapy, I did 35 or 36, I think, 35 treatments of radiation. So every day I would go to the hospital, they would radiate my breath and the area, the entire area, the chest wall, well, on my left side because it was my left uh, breast that was affected. After those 35 treatments, I um, went ahead and um, they went ahead and put me on hormone treatments. My cancer was estrogen positive, meaning my cancer was being fueled by estrogen in my body. So they put me on hormone treatments for five years. So I used to take a tablet every day. uh, And on top of that, um, for a period of time, I think it was for an eight-week period, I used to go into the hospital and they would give me an injection directly into my stomach. Um, it, it, it was another type of, of, of treatment, but it was to suppress my es- the estrogen in my system. Um, and, and that was it for me. And once all of that ended, I, would, I used to go back to see my doctor once every month, and then they increased it to once every three months just to monitor my body and what's going on, my blood work and everything. I did that for a period of time until my doctor graduated me to the back to regular once a year mammogram, meaning I've been healthy for the last 13, it's going to be 14 years in September. I've been healthy, so I just go back for a regular checkup. Wow, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that at least you are healthy and everything is working out good. So those treatments that yeah. you were going to, you said you went to 35 treatments. Just like, if we focus on one treatment, what was basically going on? Like, uh, how 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 long were you staying at the hospital? How long does the treatment take? Like, if you show up just for for the first day, like on one day, how how Mm -hmm. how does that work? For the chemotherapy, I was very fortunate that um, after the surgery, I healed well. And when they started giving me chemotherapy, in fact, even the radiation, I was an outpatient. There are people that need to be admitted because sometimes their blood levels are very low, uh, their white blood count is low and is not right, and the doctor feels like they have to be monitored in the hospital. But I was fortunate that I didn't have to be monitored in the hospital. So I would go into the outpatient uh, ward. They would, um, it used to take about two hours for the entire bottle of the, um, of the chemotherapy to be infused into my blood system. So I would sit there for, for a couple of hours, maybe two, three hours, I just watch TV and that, that poison, I call it poison, would go into my body <laughs> and I would watch it going into my body. It's a horrible feeling because chemotherapy is so strong that as it's going into your body, you can smell it back through your nostrils. It's like a metal and, you know, being put oh. into your system and you can smell it back in your nostrils. So I always say to myself, God, they are putting the poison in my body and they are saying that it's healing me. May it really, may it really heal me. <laughs> How can poison <laughs> heal a person? I know we, we oh. can laugh about it now, but it was a horrible, horrible feeling. So what, what chemotherapy does is it goes into your body and you don't feel um, bad in the first day or the second day, but by the third day, chemotherapy will have killed your cells, both bad and good. Both the bad cells and the good cells get killed, meaning your body is functioning at a very low rate. You are literally half dead. 
it was so difficult to go through. And for the next three weeks, you will be completely sick. You can't get up. You can't function properly. Your head, your brain is like something. Someone is holding your brain in their in their in their palm. It's it's so it's so strong that um, treatment. So then they give you a period of healing after they they give you go through that infusion. So for me, it used to be like a month apart. So after after the five say in the the fourth week, maybe in the fifth week again, I'll go back and they would give me another infusion. They let the body heal and you go back. When I had the third infusion, I had actually given up. I, I went to my doctor and I said, I think it's enough. I can't take this anymore. And the doctor had to sit me down and say, Doreen, you're a young woman. You have very young children. My children were, I had four kids under the age of nine. So my doctor said, do you want to see your children grow up? You need this treatment. So when I was going for the last treatment, I, I was very sure that, treat, that treatment was going to kill me. I was so weak. But um, God has been good. I went through the treatment, and it took so much longer to heal from the last treatment because even though you heal through the other treatment, you don't heal completely. And, the, and the, the effect of the medication is so strong that it lingers on. I still feel the effects after today. Oh, oh, yeah, no, at least the good thing is at least you are healthy because now you say it's been 14 years, 13, 14 years. I yes. mean, that's, that's a blessing. That's a blessing because we know a, a number of our people in our communities have sort of succumbed to this terrible disease, yes. but it's a blessing that at least uh, we have a few who went through the, the, the treatment and who can mm-hmm. shed some more light in... Uh, in hopes of sensitizing and providing education to uh, our women out there, because breast cancer is something that is real, something that is just Mm -hmm. a terrible, terrible disease. And we are very fortunate that we have first-hand information uh, from a person who's gone through the process. So for those who are just joining Mm -hmm. us, you're listening to Zanus radio show, powered by Zambia Block Talk Radio. Uh, this is a radio segment that focuses on issues that pertain to a uh, Zambian community in the diaspora, especially in the United States. And today's topic, we are discussing breast cancer in black women, and we are joined by Doreen Grant. And Miss Irene White, she's running behind. She just texted me that she will be joining us later. So I think... Uh, since this, considering the magnitude of what we are talking about, we'll try to focus mm-hmm. as much as possible to give uh, Miss, Miss, Miss Grant enough time to share with us uh, as much as she can share. And then if possible, we might even uh, have Irene White share her story next week. So going on here, uh, Miss Miss Grant, were there any programs or services offered to you that would help with the treatment process? I was very fortunate. Um, again, uh, like I said before, that uh, the hospital where I was getting treatment um, offered um, all the treatment in one place. I had insurance, so I was able to uh, get all the surgeries and the treatments in the hospital. Um, where I was um, assigned. Uh, but the other thing I would like to talk about that was offered to me as an outside service 
was the um, connection that the nurse navigator made for me with other survivors because uh, the healing process is very complex. And um, while going through treatment, conventional treatment is really important, it was, it's also important for people to understand that a woman going through this kind of uh, situation needs women who have experienced what she has experienced. Because when we hear other people sympathizing and empathizing and, and all this and that, our, our reaction to all of that is is very I don't know how I can describe it, but for me I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. It, it didn't help me. I didn't want people to come around me that had a solemn face and all of that. But uh, being around other survivors really made an impact on my life. In fact, this is the reason why I felt like I should go back home and help other women, which I did eventually. But uh, being other, uh, connecting me with other survivors, people who had experienced what I was experiencing, gave me a lot of hope. And this is some, a service that the hospital was able to provide for me through the nurse navigator. Oh, that's, that's good. Uh, at least you had a very good support network, and there was mm-hmm. also a good system with the hospital, and of course you had insurance. Yeah. So and yeah. also just I mean, working I mean networking with people in this similar situation. I'm sure it played a huge role in getting to I mean to where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So the the other question I have for you: Did you face any obstacles during the treatment process? If so, how did you overcome uh, those obstacles? Yes, for me, the main obstacle I faced was being a young mom and a young wife. It's personal, but it was a major obstacle for me to be able to take care of my family. I just couldn't. I mean, I was going through a type of treatment that literally dilapidated, is that the word? It it took everything out of me. So Mm -hmm. for me to be there for my husband and be there for my children was, It was a new normal that I had to adjust to. I couldn't clean my own house. I couldn't be the wife that I'm supposed to be. I couldn't be the mommy that my kids were expecting to uh, to have. And it was not only heartbreaking for me, but uh, it was a huge eye-opener because there's so much we take for granted. You know, when you're living a normal life, we don't know that your strength can be taken away in in a split second. And my strength was taken away, and I couldn't take care of my family, and it, it was hard. That was a huge obstacle for me. But um, eventually through, like I said, connecting with other survivors and listening to how other survivors cope, I was able to start slowly uh, adopting methods from my friends and other fellow survivors. Like This is what they did. This is the kind of help I went to, because I didn't even want to go and ask for help. I don't know if it's the superwoman syndrome that we black women have where I can't even let people see that I can't clean my house. I can't let people know that I'm not able to be a wife to my husband because I'm so tired. I can't let people know that I haven't been able to go to my my son's uh, soccer um, game because I have to be superwoman. But um, facing women who have faced the kind of situations I was facing and maybe even at a worse level than I was, it, it encouraged me a lot. I was able to overcome a lot by facing my own reality 
and accepting my own reality and just taking it one day at a time. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Good Good to hear that. The support network, having insurance, and also just uh, uh, being with people in this similar situation, it plays, plays mm-hmm. a huge role. Yeah, so do we have any questions from our listeners? Does, uh, so far, if anybody wishes to ask a question, the, the number ending in 5699, do you have a question for our guest? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, if, when, when, yeah. Just go ahead. Thank you. Hi, Doreen. Hi. How are you doing? It's uh, very good to hear um, your points that you've uh, actually uh, explained uh, about the breast cancer. Your experience. I'm learning a lot. So, up until mm-hmm. now, uh, do you have any regular checkups uh, or? Because uh, you explained to say that uh, you've had uh, had it since uh, 14 years ago. So, do you have any regular checkups yes. that you go to the hospital just to have yourself checked? Um, my checkups now are normal checkups, which every woman is encouraged to have, which is once a year, make sure you have a mammogram. That's mm-hmm. what I do. Um, I do have my regular physical again once a year, and in, in my regular physical, I always ask for. Um, um, them to do um, a, um, a tumor. I forgot the name of the test, but um, it's a test where they can see if there are any tumors growing in my body. I always ask for this test just because of my history. But um, I'll do a regular physical, make sure my blood work is okay, because once I see that something is going on with my white blood count or something is going on with my red blood count, then it's alarming for me being a survivor. Okay. But fortunately, like I say, I've been well. I've, um, I do suffer from anemia even before I had um, breast cancer. So the breast cancer treatment did make my anemia a little bit worse because of the treatment. So my, my blood levels being low is not something that alarms me a lot because I know I've had this problem, and I, I, I take care of it by eating a lot of greens. Okay. Okay, I was about to ask about what kind of a diet that you uh, that you have. So, is it a normal diet, or you just uh, like kind of like uh, really eat on healthy stuff, like on the greens? Um, and about the diet, uh, again, I'll put in the disclaimer: I'm not in the medical field. I wouldn't want. I'm not a um, licensed dietitian, so I okay. wouldn't want people to take <laughs> my diet and say, "Oh, yeah, she's lived for 14 yeah. years and this is her diet." But I can encourage other women. Uh, you know, to understand their own bodies. You have to yes. understand your own bodies, and you know that when you eat certain foods, you feel more vibrant than you eat certain foods. Um, um, do homework, you know, re- read about healthy foods, uh, because being healthy generally does help, you know, with anything that attacks your body. So I have defaulted to a pescatarian diet, which I don't eat any meat or chicken or, or meat byproducts. I, I eat a lot of fish, and okay. I do a lot of greens. People in Zambia are surprised when I go home. You know how it is in Zambia. They say, have anybody said Jesus is here? They want to give you the biggest meal and cook this for you. But I tell them, cook, I want Shima with the biggest plate of greens. And they are like, you are so easy to feed. I'm like, I eat healthy. <laughs> <laughs> So, so people 
people, we, are, we have to understand that eating healthy doesn't mean we have to eat um, we have to eat like we are rich people. Eating healthy means you're eating the right food. You're putting the right food in your right. body. Mm-hmm. So I do eat a lot of vegetables and fruits. Okay. All right. No, thank you so mm-hmm. much for that. Uh, it's a pleasure, really, uh, just uh, talking to you and uh, your experience. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Zanus radio show powered by Zambia Block Talk Radio every Sunday at 2 p.m. Today's guest is Doreen White, a breast cancer... Sorry, my apologies. It's Doreen Grant. I always mix up the names, so uh, my apologies. Our guest is Doreen Grant, a breast cancer survivor. She's joining us to share her, her experiences and her journey with breast cancer. And It's been 14 years since she has, she's been cancer-free for the past 14 years. So we invited her to the show to share uh, uh, just the uh, words of wisdom and her journey with our audience. So if anyone has a question, feel free to to speak it out or you press one. And you, I think I've un- unmuted all the mics. So for anyone with a question, uh, you can just go ahead at any time. So, uh, Mrs. Grant, yes. what message would you like to provide to our community? Um, I would encourage um, the community, and we will use the word community. It's a great uh, word because we want everybody involved. We want our men, we want our children to be aware. I encourage uh, the community that awareness is a huge part um, in why breast cancer in America, breast cancer death, I'll say I'll be specific about that. Why breast cancer? Well, death caused by breast cancer has been declining since the 90s. Awareness. We have to um, encourage each other. We have to get out in the community and talk about breast cancer. We have to destigmatize breast cancer and cancer in general. So. Anyone out there in the medical field, our nurses, our practitioners, whenever they get a chance here and in our country in Zambia, I always encourage people to talk about it. When we talk about it, the way I'm talking about my experience, and um, I'm just talking from my heart, it, it encourages, you don't know how many other people get encouraged by just one woman coming out and talking about her experience. So I encourage people to talk about breast cancer to so that we can increase awareness. Awareness has helped a lot in decreasing the number of deaths in America. All right, th- th- thank, thank you, Doreen, for that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. just uh, let, let me go over just some of the products that I, this is a template. I'm looking at the template which has been put together by the Council Society with a special mm-hmm. focus on black people. There are three items that I think black people are encouraged to avoid, products to watch out for. So mm-hmm. skin lighteners. Skin lighteners mm-hmm. is one of the items that I think it's, uh, it has been linked to cancer and also mm-hmm. hair relaxers. Hair relaxers yes. are some of the things that I think because they have the tendency of burning the scalp and also... Yes. Mm, 
The other is the, fra- the other one is also the fragrances. Fragrances. Mm-hmm. So we know fragrances. we like to smell good, to look good, and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think some of these products that we are using, they have a high content of cancer-causing products. So, for instance, yes. in the hair relaxers, most of those things contain mercury. Or mm-hmm. uh, hair relaxers are made with a base of sodium hydroxide, and mm-hmm. so these are known items that are instrumental in. Uh, I mean, the carcinogen. Not necessarily that Thank sodium you. hydroxide is a carcinogen. But we have mm-hmm. to be mindful. We have to be able to read the, the, I mean, the ingredients of some of these chemicals that we are so uh, used to. So, uh, in terms of products, I know Doreen, you are not a medical doctor. Are there some products mm-hmm. that we can uh, caution our listeners to sort of be mindful? Absolutely. Um, being uh, diagnosed with a disease like this actually opens your mind very wide you know there's so much we take for granted as women you know we see a lot of things on tv advertisement you want to try this or this woman is looking like this i want to try this what i would say to all of us is whether it's a product you want to put on your body whether it's a product you want to use to make yourself quote unquote look better whether it's food you want to put in your you're getting ready to put in your mouth we should read the labels. Read the labels. Some of these labels will actually say this product can cause cancer. This product is a carcinogen. This product contains such such chemicals. And with the internet now and with Google, you can Google a word that you don't understand. Put it in Google, and Google will explain to you break it down and say this chemical is such such chemical and if this amount of dose is put on the skin it can actually burn the skin it can actually kill you this applies to medications and everything else that we take you know they always caution us when you take Tylenol know that Tylenol can cause ABC so what are we saying we are saying is knowledge is important knowing what you are putting on your body knowing what you are putting in your body is very, very important. I wouldn't specifically go and pinpoint and say, oh, skin lightning creams, or this, uh, I'm not a scientist. But what I can say to fellow women is, let's be mindful of the things that we are putting in, on, on our bodies and in our, in our bodies. Read the labels. Yeah, th- thank you for that. So if, uh, again, uh, if somebody has, yes, yes, go ahead. Hi, hi, ladies. Uh, this is Bella Sangonia from Atlanta. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. I had a question about what Afkaru said. Uh, can you talk about the stigma associated with breast cancer? You mentioned uh, removing stigma associated with breast cancer through awareness. Can you please touch a bit on that? Absolutely. Um, disease itself in our in our society, especially in Africa, in in the African American community. It's something that people want to detach themselves from. Naturally, death, disease, anything to do with death, anything to do with disease, we don't want to be a part of it. It embarrasses us. It makes us feel small. We don't want to be a part of anything negative. So in our African um, communities, when we hear that a person has ABC disease, 
Some people don't even want to associate with those people. Some husbands have left their wives because they've been diagnosed with cancer. Some wives have left their husbands because their husbands have been diagnosed with ABC. What it is is a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of knowledge. Stigma is really a lack of knowledge. What we have to do is educate ourselves as much as we can. People like myself who have been exposed to information on, on a higher degree, we have to get out there and educate people about what say, breast cancer is. Because with people understanding what breast cancer is and, and, and um, taking out that fear out of it, taking out the negativity out of it, and understanding how our bodies work and what causes it, what the symptoms are, how it can be cured, how it can be prevented. Well, prevention is, is one thing, but talking about it and going into the details of it, it removes the stigma out of it. So once people are aware of what this is, then they are able to educate more people. They are able to, to go out and take a test. They are able to do, um, you know, the mammograms that some people are, won't even try doing because it's so stigmatized. So we encourage people to, to learn as much as they can about disease. We encourage women and practitioners who know, who have the knowledge to share it, to get out in the community and just teach, teach, that's what we have to do. That's the role we have to play here as survivors um, and, and people who are in the medical, um, medical field, like I say, who have in-depth knowledge of, of uh, these kind of uh, diseases. Get out and teach people. Yeah, th- th- thank, thank you, Doreen, for that. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Zanus Radio Show. Our guest is Doreen Grant. She's a breast cancer survivor joining us from Miami, Florida. So if anyone has a question, feel free to speak up. All the mics are unmuted. So, again, just on the products that uh, I think most of our women, because the purpose of our show is to zoom in with a special focus on uh, Zambians. So when you look yes. at the, most of our people, you find that skin lighteners, especially in mm-hmm. the African-American community, it's something that mm-hmm. uh, most people, it actually says on the, on, the, uh, on the ingredients, most of those things, they contain yes. mercury. Mercury is associated mm-hmm. with a host of health problems, including nervous system, reproductive, immune, and respiratory mm-hmm. toxicity. Mercury is easily spread on different surfaces and may adversely impact not only the individual who uses the product, but other family Mm -hmm. members as well. So we have to be able to talk to our younger girls, I mean our children, that they have to accept who they are. There is no need for, I think, for some of our people to be using these uh, chemicals that are carcinogen. I mean, they contain products that have been well research to be carcinogens. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I think I just wanted to point out on fragrances or nail polish, mm-hmm. of course I know yeah. like I, I, have, I usually talk to my little uh, princess, my daughter. Uh, she likes mm-hmm. cosmetics and playing with those things. So studies mm-hmm. routinely show that women working in nail salons report health concerns such as rashes, headaches, dizziness, mm-hmm breathing difficulties, as well as miscarriages. 
birth defects yes. and cancers. So we have yes. to be able to explain to our people that working in such environments or applying some of these chemicals, there is that potential. So uh, we are getting towards the end of our show. So uh, Miss Miss Grant, tell mm-hmm. us if you are doing anything in Zambia to educate, to sensitize our people. Is there anything that you are doing on the ground in Zambia or here in the U.S. in terms of sensitizing our people? Yes, um, we. I do a lot on a personal level. I am connected with a lot of women um, who are um, going through the process of treatment and women who have been diagnosed with cancer. And how do I get connected with these women is uh, people have heard me on the radio like today and when they hear one of their family members and friends or friends um, being diagnosed, they connect me with them and they say, oh, here's a woman that can encourage you. So I have a lot of women that I have befriended, you can call it that way, or network with, that I work with one-on-one. And uh, the reason I do this also is I used to do it very publicly like I'm doing now. I used to do it years ago um, uh, publicly online. I would travel a lot and speak at uh, different events. Um, but I have zeroed in in working one-on-one one one with women because I find that to be a little more effective. It's, um, personally, it's, it's very effective because women going through something like this need a soldier to hold their hands, and uh, that's the role I have chosen to play because I think it's, it's, it's very important for a woman to have someone she can pick up the phone in the middle of the night and say, I'm having these kind of thoughts. I feel like killing myself or I feel like, you know, it's deep. There's so much that women go through. And then I am that person that person people will call and then I will walk them through walk through the valley with them literally. Let's do this. Let's, you know, I, I've literally trained myself to get on the same level with these women and talk them out of situations or encourage them uh, and so on and so forth. In Zambia, um, I, I founded the Cancer Support Network of Zambia, which is based on the Copper Belt. Um, and what we did is I was trained here in America by the National Breast Cancer Coalition as an advocate. So what we used to do, what I was trained in was many times and every year I went to Capitol Hill and, and advocated for money for breast cancer. And I was one of the women that um, worked with um, the senators and um, our House of Representatives to get money and get funding approved for breast cancer research. So I took that knowledge with me and went back home and we were able to train some advocates with the same knowledge that I had from here. And those advocates have gone on to train many other advocates. But we didn't stop there. We go out in the community, in the, in the rural areas, and we, uh, we teach women the self-breast exam so they are able to learn how to um, find their own um, lump. If there's a lump in their breast, they know how to find it. Uh, we've gone ahead and opened a tumor clinic at the at Kiko Central Hospital where people go for every kind of screening. It can be prostate cancer screening, cervical cancer, which is very high uh, in rates in Zambia, breast cancer, of course. And what um, the Cancer Support Network of Zambia does also is help women who've already been diagnosed. Um, sometimes we transport money to go to Lusaka to get treatment because as of now in Zambia, we only have one specialized treatment center. 
So our, our network helps women uh, with a little bit of, of funds to be able to get on the bus or maybe just buy them a little bit of food while they are, they are in Lusaka to get um, treatment or even if it's to go and get screening because they may have a lump and they are in pitch where there's nobody there to tell them what that lump is. The, the equipment is in Lusaka, so they have to get to Lusaka to the equipment that they can get a proper diagnosis. So that's what we do on the ground. We could do more, um, but it's difficult sometimes to navigate living in America and working in Zambia. But we, we are doing the best we can. We have people on the ground that are helping. Oh, that's good. That's good to know that at least you are doing what, whatever you can to help our people, of course, because I know stigma is one of the issues that we have to contend with. And uh, yes. I'm happy that at least you are helping our people on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bella, do you, do you have another question for our guests because we are running down on time? Do you have another question? Uh, no, sir, I don't have any question, but just thanking you for coming out and sharing with us. Oh, okay, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have about six minutes with Doreen Grant. She's a breast cancer survivor. She, feel free if you have a question. Uh, you, I think I've unmuted all the mics. Anyone with a question, feel free. So, I just received a text from someone asking a question that is it okay? Uh, the 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 question uh, um okay so the question says is it okay for someone to contact you Mrs Grant is it okay for someone to contact you outside the show because uh, they have family members uh, going through uh, cancer they just want some some support and advice is it okay for someone to contact you Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to give the show my phone number. I won't say it over the air, <laughs> but um, that I would be, <laughs> but, but I would be happy to give them their phone number and they can contact me. And I'll be, I'm always, always um, happy to talk with other survivors. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, so I'll certainly reach out to this lady and uh, connect. I mean, I'll connect her to you once we are done with the mm-hmm. show. So oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, so okay, yeah. So any any what, what's your final advice to our people uh, both uh, here in the United States and those in Zambia? What's your final advice to our women? Um in 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 all of it I would say um there there's always uh, good news. <laughs> Even when we have painted this grim picture the whole time, um, I would like to know that uh, with improved screening methods and increased awareness, uh, death from breast cancer has been gradually declining since the 90s. It's important for people to know this. Um, They have done it in America, um, and it can be done in other parts of the world. The work we have to do in, in, in in the third world countries like our own is... Um, look at the models. Look at the models that Canada has. Look at the models America has. Look at the models that Europe, the European countries have. And I know when I say look at the models, people come around and say, oh, these countries have money, and this is why they are able to do some of the things they are doing. No, there are some things that I've learned from here that are very small in, in, their, in, their, in their way, in their presentation, 
um, and we can copy those little things and slowly start implementing those things in our own communities from the ground going up. We don't have to have money, for instance, for one of us to, fly, to go to Zambia and stand in front of women. I'll tell you that when I went to Zambia, the reception I, I got from our people every time I, I went to Zambia was incredible. People are so hungry for knowledge, so hungry for knowledge that I was able to go to churches, I was able to go to schools, working places. When I went to, a rural, to the rural areas, women would gather within 10 minutes. I would have 50 women in front of me just wanting to learn, just wanting to, to listen. So for some of us who are out here in the diaspora, I would say we should take these opportunities and jump on these opportunities. There are, there are people out there with need, need not just for things, but need for knowledge. And any one of us can do it. Any one of us can do it. You get information together, get on the plane, go home, um, call a conference, call a meeting, whatever you want to call it, at your church, at your school, former school, through your former college, and just talk to people. So in the end, my advice to people is let's get the knowledge, let's give the knowledge if we have it, because knowledge is power. Oh, okay. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Doreen Grant, a Zambian lady based in Miami, Florida. She's a breast cancer survivor. She's been discussing her journey since she, she was diagnosed with cancer over 14 years ago. And she is um, happy to inform those who are just joining us now that uh, Mrs. Grant is cancer-free. So we are very happy for her that at least the treatment works. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of our show. We are very happy that we had first-hand information from somebody who has gone through the process, who has lived the experience. So we wanted to bring somebody who, who had first-hand information to share with our community. So with that said, thank you, Mrs. Grant. Uh, we certainly appreciate taking time from, I know you could have been busy with your family, but you gave us at least an hour of your time. We, we are very, very thankful for that. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been a show uh, for today. We look forward to another show next Sunday at the same time at 2 p.m. So enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and thank you again, Mrs. Grant. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Till next week. It's bye for now. <laughs>